0: This is Social Media News Live. Hello, folks. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. And this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Eric Fisher, and today's show is all about being more productive in podcasting. Eric, I'm so excited you're here today. Thanks for joining us again. Third time. Thank you. Yeah, third or fourth you're here all the time i, I don't know I, it's been many <laughs> many times i can't even, i was
1: trying to tell somebody the other day jeff's been doing the show forever and i'm like i don't know how long it's been because it feels like forever it has felt so, like forever but in a good yeah, way but i'm in a good way i'm glad to be here because we're talking about two of my favorite things
0: podcasting and productivity that's right it's your sweet spot it's that venn diagram of eric yes. Fisher. <laughs> but if you do not know who eric Fisher is you should he is the a producer and host of the long running beyond the to-do list podcast for almost 10 years. He's talked with experts on how to implement productivity strategies in their personal and professional lives. And he is currently an account manager at now marketing group, our friend uh, Jessica over there. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, you're there helping them out, but um, we wanted to dive in really quickly and, um, to podcasting productivity. I mean, I feel like we've talked about this on the show quite a bit. We kind of have that productivity, I mean, the podcasting bit, uh, last month and getting in ready for a leap into podcasting uh, for Ecamm. And by the way, before I uh, go any further, I want to do a big shout out to our show sponsor, Ecamm. You can find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. They it's really great for video podcasting. It also is really great for just regular podcasting. If you, if you for some reason didn't want the video, I don't know why, but um, it's really easy because it actually breaks down the tracks. So when I'm done with this show, Eric will have his own track. I'll have my own track. If Grace was on here, she'd have her own track. Even the sound effects and the, um, if I play any movies or any video on there, that is actually split out as well. So it's really, really cool. It's really, really handy. We mentioned the, um, this uh, leap into podcasting. If you're interested in that, you can go to merch.ecam.com. You can get the, uh, if you get the guide there, there's a physical and digital uh, version. And if, then you get access to, the, to all the replays, like not just this year, but like I think two or three years. So it's really worth it if you're looking at uh, doing video podcasting or leap into live streaming, any of that kind of stuff, merch.ecam.com. Thanks for them for sponsoring the show. All right, Eric, I want to go over just to start off your podcasting workflow, like how kind of walk us through your week because it is a weekly show. Um what kind of your 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 schedule, how you handle it? What do you do? Walk us through that. Yeah. so
1: well, I will say this, first starting out early days, it was very much a high pressure situation where it was <laughs> like,, uh, I have to get a show out every week and and honestly, it didn't always happen. Mm. Uh, it did for the first sixteen episodes, then I intentionally took a break, but uh, i and I took about a you know a holiday break of right. Eight eight weeks or so, and in that eight weeks, I was like, "Okay, I've had my first taste of doing something consistently solo, mm-hmm. where I'm the only person working on it." Uh, what are the lessons that I need to learn? And one of them that I came up with one of them that I came up with was, "You cannot record every single week because not you don't know if that's even feasible." But you can create pockets and windows and seasons, not in the se- not in the way that we know of podcast seasons now. But like literal, like, oh, batch processing is what I'm I'm speaking to. Mm, and so mm. it was like, okay, well, if I could back to back record two, or if which I don't know that I suggest doing that because right. you you like me and many others, it's like you're done with one, you're just done for the day or right. done for a yeah. while. You gotta <laughs> yeah, recharge, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. part of that, knowing yourself. But um having a week or a two or three and knowing what your slots are and and as I moved it fully into remote work and had a a stable place that was always set up with this Mm -hmm. mic and this recorder and all those things and certain blocks of time on my calendar, I was able to then make certain windows open. But in the early days, it was kind of a free for all. And that's not where I suggest anybody start off as. And a a lot of people getting into podcasting, they're either working, they're they're either doing it for their day job Mm -hmm. as part of that, or they're doing it for their own thing. And you've got to first know I've got a time block. I've got to get the time block situation done first.
0: All right. So let's, I mean, I kind of jumped into it because I assume everybody knows who you are, but let's talk about Beyond the To-Do List podcast because it's been out for over 10 years. Um, yeah. It's mostly an interview style show, would you say? There's a couple solo episodes that you've done. I know you're going to do some more uh, in the future, uh, but but um, talk about that and why you decided to do an interview show And maybe some of the pros and cons of doing an interview show, because that seems to be the most typical type of podcasting kind of, you know, especially in our in our industry. And, and, you know, the stuff, the ones that we listen to, they always seem to be interview style shows. Talk about the pros and cons of that style of show.
1: Well, the pro is, is you get to bring in a perspective that's not your own and you can, it's much more interesting in in a lot of ways. I, and I typically gravitate towards shows where it's more than one person talking. Now there are a few, and I will mention them in a minute in the, also in the pros side of things Mm -hmm. um, that are solo shows, but they are shorter and they are, Mm. it's almost like it's a blog article or a newsletter that's being read dramatically with. Thought and feeling and inflection, and I really appreciate those. In fact, I'll just say it. Um, it's uh, you've had him on the show, or you, I'm trying to remember, um, but Tom Webster, oh, yeah, he's one of them that Mm -hmm. I listened to. You know, I I listen actually, I listened to one of them this morning, and it was very fun. I enjoy his voice, I enjoy him conveying the information. So, there is a positive to doing it on your own. There's also a positive, though, to doing it uh, with somebody with a guest because one, you're pulling. Information from that person and sharing it with your audience. You're learning in public, if you will. And that was one of the biggest things that I decided I needed and wanted to do was I just wanted, I mean, if somebody says, Hey, I've got a podcast, will you come on? You would, you have no idea how some of the doors that can open mm-hmm. because you, you do that. I've, I've been able to speak to people I never thought I would speak to right. in, in, in public, no less, and have it recorded. So, public it's it's great um doing it solo though there are some cons it's now all on you right Right. (laughs) and you have to craft what you're going to say no one wants to listen to somebody just riff by themselves unless you're really good at it and have practice at that and so even when i've done solo shows i've had an outline and even fleshed it out and had you know i i would read through the outline as i did like a walk and talk Mm -hmm. and then would go through and craft that a little bit better and then not read it but actually, just kind of—I don't know—I don't want to say perform it, but right. you know, read it dramatically with <laughs> without dr- without the drama. In other words, gotcha. Um, a con, though, of doing it with other people is now you're at the mercy of their schedule, and yes, so yes. It's, it, and that. if and a lot of other th- a lot of technical difficulties can can happen when connecting with others and recording that way. Then that wouldn't necessarily happen if you're doing a solo show.
0: So. On getting your guests is do now do you get most people coming to you to be on your show? Are you actively recruiting guests? I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming since you've been around for ten years and a lot of people want to get on your show, it's not the issue that you had when you first started. Uh, it's probably kind of flip flop. So talk about that a little bit, like getting guests, like uh, how would you tell somebody who's just getting into podcast to get guests, and like how are you doing it now? Because I know you get yeah, a lot of books I, and stuff.
1: Yeah, when I started. It was all about intentionally seeking out guests. I, it was all on me. I had to do it. And in fact, anybody who's starting off and they're looking to do, well, looking to do solo or with guests, I suggest sitting down and creating almost a mind map kind of a scenario, whether it's topical or it's guest or both and kind of match those up and kind of plan out, you know what, here's a good 20, 25 plus or even 50. If you can get 52, you got a year. You right. a year of content. And, and then in the process of making that, other ideas are going to come up. But start there. Start with creating a list of either people you want to talk to and and why, or the topics you want to talk to and either do a solo show that way or have a guest for that topic specifically. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. That's how I started off. Those first 16, I sought those guests out. I either knew they were an expert in their field or I knew that I could, get them by saying, hey, one of the other people that I have just had on the show right. w- was on the show, will you do it? And that you, you'd be amazed at how like, hey, I've got Michael Hyatt on the show. Now I can get Dan Miller. Or right, now right. that I've had the two of them, I can get so-and-so. And that's how it started. And yes, the industry has changed. And over time, there's been a lot more of uh, just businesses and people reaching and PR people, mm. PR people have, have really cued into the fact that, oh, my client has a new book coming out. I need to look and see which shows are appropriate to have them on. And they do their research. For the most part, there are definitely some pitches that's like, this isn't a fit for my show, but uh, more than you would know. And uh, and I get a lot of emails and there are people that scrape the emails that Mm -hmm. are connected with certain you know, Apple podcasts or other different podcasts, uh, varying degrees of, uh, data that's available. You know how it is. You've talked to social media people and people scraping LinkedIn email addresses to send stuff. So, uh, but that's what it's kind of transitioned into. I still want to, and in fact, I'm doing this now. I'm in the process of increasing my intentional activity towards choosing and reaching out to people I really wanna have on and not just doing the passive role of, well, I'm getting so-and-so amount of email pitches a day, a week, a month, and then just picking enough of them. I only need four out of right. however many to make it worth all those coming in. But yeah, be, I would say always go for quality and always be intentional and shoot for people that you may not think you can get and go ahead and ask anyway, because you right. might get a yes,
0: I did. Yeah, yeah that's, that is true. You never know unless you ask. And, you know, what's the worst they're going to say is no. I mean, they're, you know, nobody yeah. gets, I, I've never heard anybody get mad being asked. So, um, anyway, what? So, this is the under the productivity angle because getting, you know, everyone's like, oh, I can get a guest a week. That's eh, not a big deal. But then you start thinking about, okay, I want to make an, <laughs> an intelligent conversation. And you can tell the good podcasters <laughs> from the not so good podcasters. And, and you obviously are a great podcaster is that they do research. They're doing research on their guests. And, you know, I do a, a work for Guy Kawasaki. I'm his producer and editor over on his show. And he really researches that. And a lot of the guests he has are, they, they have a book that comes out. I know this happens with you as well because there's actually been crossover from you and Guy's show. It's the same time the book is coming out. And, oh, you had that guest. Um, but how do you prepare? I mean, are you reading a book a week? Like, I mean, Guy usually kind of does that. I mean, how? what is your productivity, like hacks, to be prepared for your guests and ask the questions.
1: So there's two ways you can go with this. One, be a great reader and and I am a fast reader. So that really does help and I enjoy it. And I love getting free books all the time in the mail. Sometimes they show up and I haven't even asked for it. I'm like, I don't know who this is and (laughs) that's fine. Uh, I kind of wait to see if an email follows, but one, build in reading time, whether it's in the morning or it's throughout the day or if it's in the evening to wind down. And and don't be afraid to, one, oh, this book looks interesting. Let me skim it first and say, OK, I get the main points. Now let me go back and revisit the places I marked where I want to do a deeper dive and maybe formulate a question from. That's number one. Number two is, and this is hard if the book isn't out yet or the person hasn't um, done any interviews yet. I'll, what's, what's great is sometimes I can get a podcast episode from mm. a friend or some other show and listen to them on that show and get a gist of it and then go through the book or uh, formulate questions off of, like, I'll hear one of my friends ask, uh, podcasting friends ask somebody about some specific topic. And, you know, these people know their talking points if they're good. Mm-hmm. And... If you know their talking point of what they're going to kind of, I mean, I've heard somebody answer almost verbatim to the same question, Uh, but then I already have a follow up question that the other person didn't ask. So it's kind of a cheat. You get to, you know, study them, listen to a podcast episode they've already been on. Don't,
0: it's, there's nothing bad about that. Take them to a place that that show didn't with your show. Mm, That's a great, that's a great thing is like, and a guy I know prides himself on nothing makes him more happy than when they say, Nobody's ever asked me that before. And I think that should be all of our goal as we interview stuff like, okay, what question could I, and you're not trying to catch them off guard or anything, but something like shows them that they, you really dove into their, their uh, content. And also you were very thoughtful about your questions. And that's the other point at kind of productivity wise, like what is your document or When you prepare for guests, what does it look like? Do you have like, I'm going to get get at least 10 questions. I'm just, I'm going to have this bio. How does that work? What does that look like for you before you interview a guest? I think I always end up having more questions than I need. And that's a good thing.
1: And I credit, I try to have them in an order that makes conversational sense, uh, conversational mm. flow. And yeah, I always try to have more questions than I need so I can fall back on, okay, the guest's great. And I know this already, uh, hopefully right. <laughs> by having done my research and vetted them. But if they aren't a talker as much as I maybe need them to be, I I would always say your guests should be talking 75, 80% of the show and not you. And so if i can get them to do that if i can set them off if i can if i can have a bunch of like if i have you know we're going to talk about this that's one section and have like three i try to aim for three different sections of the Mm -hmm. conversation so i kind of know where i'm at and i kind of try to outline it and have certain you know i've got two three five questions in section one same for two same for three and then i know oh well we skipped down to section two Let me, and and this is only, the only thing you can do with this is practice. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes, and that's why it was great to have been co-host on two other shows before doing this for myself. I got a lot of practice in public, so to speak, uh, under my belt, but yeah, I like to have multiple questions in each kind of section and then I'll know, okay, we're we're past the first, the second, and third third of the show. Mm-hmm. And now we can wrap up. I don't really go wrap up is always the same. It's like, oh well, it's been great talking with you. Let's <laughs> right, it's yeah, yeah. it's standard for everybody. Right, you just yeah. get over it. It's fine. Yeah. Tell us, tell us where, where they find can you? find you. Yeah. I'll link up to that in the show notes. Right. Um and so I don't worry about that. That's kind of standard. I can copy that in. Actually, I can right. do that without thinking about right. it. We right. all can.
0: Right. <laughs> so so the, the, here's a question I know that I, I've been asked before um, in some of the podcasting things that I've been involved with is should you have a set set of questions that you ask every time? Like, And I know, and this comes from, I think, somebody who is on fire um, that does that. And it works for him. Mm-hmm. My thought is, and tell me if I'm wrong, I want to have new questions for each show. Other people say, I'm going to ask the same questions every time. And I think it's based on what John has done, but what are your thoughts on that? And what would you tell somebody who's just started getting started? I would I would say that if you want to have
1: a set question or questions that you ask every single guest, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I started off with that. Mm-hmm. And for the first 16 episodes I did, and I think even for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, somewhere in there, it got lost. I kind of phased it out because it didn't really make sense anymore. And I still remember it. It's in an ideal world, how do you start your day? And Mm. that made sense at the time. But as I got further in at me asking that question of somebody who that's not the topic they're there to talk about at all, doesn't really make sense. Now, here's the thing if you're doing like a Patreon or something else and you want bonus content, having a round of four, five five to ten questions that are kind of rapid fire that you don't include in the regular episode, but that's what you have as bonus content, Mm. that's an option. But again, I think it, it depends on your show, depends on your guest, depends on your topic, depends on your show's flow if that makes sense to have set questions that you ask every single one of them,
0: nothing wrong with that, but it's got to make sense and it's got to be right for you. I think that's a great point. Uh, the, the My, I don't mind having a couple of set questions that you ask each guest. You I mean, I mean, I've been on guests on shows where they've done that. My thing is like what John Lee Dumas does, where it's the same questions every time for every C, se- every show in ad, you know, forever uh, that, well- There's a pro to that, though. There's a pro to that, that you know what you're going to get. You know, oh,
1: how is, like, for example, uh, I'm not currently watching any real, like, news type shows or even comedy news shows. But for a while there, I was watching Colbert. And he would have a segment where he'd have a guest that was there weeks ago sit and answer the same 10 questions. And it was to better know that guest. Mm -hmm. And so I knew those questions, and I knew what I was going to get in terms of- the, 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 um, the catalyst for the conversation, but I didn't know what the answer was going to be like, and these were simple questions like apple or orange, right. or, you know, describe your life in five words right. or thing, things like that, that are simple and it's, it's cool. And it's kind of, you're curious, yeah. how is uh Hugh Jackman going to answer this differently than say sting or, mm-hmm. you know, insert celebrity yeah. here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I. I, so the, I, I guess my point was, and I think that's right. Cause I've been on those rapid fire questions and those are fun. Those are a, a nice little thing. I have been on shows before. Um, my, I guess just copying the format of other shows is what I, I think I was trying to talk about because like, I, I swear every time there's a podcasting conference afterwards, there's so many like accountants on fire and you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, I'm not really, you know, my thing is, is we shouldn't copy. Well, there's, and that,
1: and that's funny. We both know somebody uh, who I met at the most recent podcast conference we both went to. And he came up to me and and we were talking and he said, you know, at some point I looked up, when did you name your show? Because his show is beyond the and then insert a oh. few words. And then I went and looked, I went into a podcast search engine and I just typed in beyond the, and I saw all these different ones. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know I was the first. I, I mean, with 90 plus percent confidence, right. right? there wasn't any. I mean, you'd type in beyond the, and it was just me that would pop up, but it's been 10 years and right. it's kind of filtered through. Right. Now, it's
0: nowhere near anybody, you know, being on fire, but still. <laughs> right, right. Um, the other question I, I, really quickly, I want you to talk about, um, how, how many hours does it take before you, for your, for your podcast workflow, like a week, how much do you spend on your podcast?
1: Well, time-wise it's going to vary because again, what I did learn was there are certain chunks of time. Like I, I think about you and I both talk about the 12 week year where we look at the quarter of the year and we kind of say, okay, how many do I need? So I need 12 episodes Mm -hmm. and that's 12 recordings unless I'm recording or unless I'm releasing a a repeat episode, which occasionally I've done um, less. So now more, they're they're more bonus episodes than anything, but um, it's okay to get 12 I need to open up enough time for twelve people, and I need to maybe front load that, and and ideally have those recorded before the new twelve weeks even <laughs> right, start, right or, right? or half of them, and stay ahead. In other words, create margin, create workflow, create structure. And so, on a week, the max I would ever record in a week would be three. But again, mm. that's maybe more than some people are comfortable with. But for me, that's three weeks, three other weeks that I don't have to record any. Right. So. And and as it goes, as it filters through, as I get responses and I see the bookings come through through my Calendly, um, I will say, okay, that's another one. Where is that? And I look on the calendar and say, okay, well, there's already one or two that week. Don't, close off the rest of the space in that time mm-hmm. and maybe add it in other places. I, I make more than 12 slots available, but I close them down as the weeks get full. Right. And I also block off weeks where I'm like, that week's impossible to record at all. And so – you have to go into it with that context before I give a, a correct answer and say, well, it costs, It tells me, or I can say that it, it takes me five hours in a given week, because sometimes the research doesn't take as long or it takes more. Sometimes mm. the recording slots, I've got three in a week. Sometimes I have none. I would say on a per episode basis, it's anywhere between two to three hours. But again, some of that's reading time and the evenings or the mornings or the weekends. The recording is over only, I book an hour. And typically, once we get past the half hour to 40 something minute mark, and I feel good about it, I let the conversation naturally flow. But we if we hit the top of the hour, I kind of wrap up. But so, again, it's going to be different for everybody. Right. And as you get better at it, you'll find where you can push the gas pedal a little bit. Right. And or where
0: you can delegate and accommodate other people helping you. So uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to ask you as I fix my camera is that, um, you know, you talked about how I, I'm assuming that the hours you spend like research depends on like if you had that guest on before, because you have some repeat guests. Um, yes. And also, you know, if it's like a big name, like all of a sudden you're you know, you're getting the the, the guy who does getting things done, which you I know you've you've interviewed before, but like the first time you probably prepared a lot when you get a big name like that yeah. because you don't want to waste time. And I'm, I'm sure that kind of fluctuates, um, you know, depending on who the guest is. Yeah. So David Allen getting things done. yeah,
1: Yeah. So
0: there's a couple different points
1: I want to make here on this one. David Allen getting things done was the first guest other than Michael Hyatt. I knew I could get Michael Hyatt. I didn't know if I could get David Allen. And I said, I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to ask Mm-hmm. And the worst I'll get is a no, but I think eventually I'll get a yes. Well, I got a yes within 24 hours from his wife saying he'd love to do it. And it shocked me. And <laughs> that was a really good lesson to have. Yeah. So that was the first time he was one of the first 16. I immediately, like you said, went into over prepare mode because I just didn't want to seem foolish or stupid or mm-hmm. didn't you know, know what I time. was doing. Yeah. Yeah. That first recording went great. We hit it off right away. We hit all the right notes. He was great. I felt confident after it was over. It worked out really well. But the next key piece was he's been back now. I don't even know how many times I can count, but he's been back asking to be back. Now, I asked the the second time, but I think the third and fourth time uh, his company reached out because the track record was there. Mm. And they had a new book out, um, Getting Things Done for Teens and the Getting Things Done Workbook. And so that touches on a couple of different things. One, make the ask. The worst you're going to get is a no, and you may get a yes eventually. Keep start asking, keep asking. Number two is, one of the things I did to prepare for the second one, I listened back to the first one. Mm. And so I did my own trick on myself and listened <laughs> right. back and said, oh, you know what? When he asked, he gave that answer. Uh, I wish I had asked this also as a follow-up. And so I started to formulate follow-up questions and kind of do a revisited version of that first one in the second one. And then the third and fourth, it was different because I just needed to go over the book. I didn't need to. And and those were easy books because I already had the foundation already built. Yeah. So repeat guests. Uh, especially good ones where you you've either heard from your audience that they loved them or you just really enjoy them. Screw the audience, do it for yourself once in a while. <laughs> right.
0: That's a uh, that's a gold mine. Mm. So that's, you know, that so we have started doing that actually in our actual notes when we prepare and Grace does an amazing job with this. We we've done it enough. We kind of know what will be said or what kind of, you know, their their response will be and we have follow-up questions right already Prepared for that. So, having those ready, one, it saves you a lot of time. A lot of times, our audience will ask that and we can pull in those in it. Even though we were going to ask it anyway, we bring our audiences in, in instead and give just a little bit more interactivity. So, having those follow well, up questions, I think, is key. That's another piece is that
1: if you have, and, and this, I'll tease this one of the things that I would have done differently is I would have intentionally built a community around the show earlier mm. and still need to do more with that. But your audience can really help you get questions that you know that you might not even think of to ask your upcoming guests and throwing that out there to them can be a
0: real bonus Mm, that's that's awesome that's really good um the the other question so kind of more kind of brass tacks i guess is like how do you you mentioned scheduling how do you set up scheduling do you i mean like you do you use like calendly or some something like that to schedule people that they can pick their time and do you have like certain times of day That you already like you mentioned time blocking like do you have those blocks set and then they can pick from them or you say hey i'm doing it on this date i need you here then i mean how strict are you with time so again it's going to be dictated by what your availability is
1: and that's why Mm -hmm. i like to change it up and go seasonally Mm -hmm. i like to not i personally love not recording hardly at all throughout the summer when there's a high chance that something random where everybody's home during a recording, right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's nerve wracking sometimes, or at least it used to be, I've gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. but or, or if you're recording during the workday, which is most of the time when people are doing it, like you've got to say, okay, that's my lunch hour. And, you know, start earlier on your work stuff and then take that hour and then eat something right after or before, right. Right. after is better, don't do it before. You <laughs> never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> But to have those places in mind, and so, for example, right now, I'm done recording. I'm not done recording. I'm done booking, I should say, for the remainder of 2022 as we're recording this in October. I have a few left, and I've got a bunch banked, and I'm going to get through to the end of the year and even into January, and then I'm looking now at formulating what does January, February, March look like in terms of family obligation, work obligation, um, workload, and creating margin and not overwhelm and overload for myself personally. Again, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned recording three in a week, but I prefer not to. But sometimes in order to get like that runway, you have to, or at least do more than one in a week. And then there are people who, I mean, again, we mentioned other people earlier that batch record, they'll have a dedicated day and they'll record One in the morning, one late morning, one in the early afternoon and one late afternoon, and then they've done for the month. That's a viable option, not for me personally, but I think that's an option for some people. And so, again, it's all about knowing what that structure is and what that structure's adaptability and flexibility is going to be in each of those you know, seasons, Mm -hmm. if you're going to go month to month, or if you're going to go, or if you're going to record seasons and you just say, I'm going to record one season, season one, season two, season three, how many episodes that is. Um, I can see a season being 10 episodes and you have two weeks off in a quarter, something like that, but it's, it's variable and it's, it's got to fit you and what works for you schedule wise, workload wise, so that you avoid
0: burnout. So do you have any special like scheduling tools that you really like to use that like, you have found as a productivity expert too, really works really well for podcasters.
1: Well, I stick with Calendly. That's what I'm using now. That's what I've actually it's really what I've mostly used because I can maintain kind of a a structure in there of what's available. Plus it's got all the, you know, bells and whistles of sending reminders or that mm-hmm. first email with the link to where the recording's going to be and right. all that kind of good stuff where it's automated and it's not me then manually, they said, "Yes, okay, what time works for you? When can you do it? I have these times available." No, you as the host set it up as to when you're available and you monitor that like I do Mm -hmm. for a quarter for 12 weeks and then you can go in and you can remove times and things like that and then you just shoot them the link and then they can click on it and pick for themselves what works and I try to have you know a couple different options Mm -hmm. Uh, it only runs into an issue when somebody say like in Australia and we've got to figure out how to make that work but I can accommodate that once
0: they tell me right so, do you, what do you record with? Because there's tons of different options. You know, we mentioned the Roadcaster, which is a hardware device that we you can record yes. on. But for like doing interviews, you know, most people don't really do phone call in anymore. They use a tool. Is what what tools do you like to use for your show? Yeah, man, I've only I think I've only ever had phone
1: call fed in right. maybe twice. Ever. And it was the technical difficulty thing, or it was a misunderstanding on their part where they were like, I was just calling into your Skype. Used to use Skype. Remember Skype? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that that's basically dead. Right? right. Oh my gosh, I hated Skype, but I used it for a long time. And what I was using for Skype was Ecamm's Skype recorder. So I've been Mm -hmm. using Ecamm products for years before everybody else, or at least along with a lot of other people. But I wanted to move away from that. And obviously the first thing I did was you switch over to Zoom and that was actually pre-pandemic, but then what was great in a lot of ways about that season and we're still in it, but was suddenly people were like, oh, Zoom What kind of became the Kleenex. It was the brand name that everybody got used to, right? Yes. So And it was Kleenex. But again, Zoom, Compresses audio, doesn't give you the greatest quality. And so you want to go to something like a Squadcast or a Riverside or a uh, Zencaster or there's a bunch of different ones out Mm -hmm. there. I have fully moved away from Zoom as a recorder, uh, software recorder. I am, again, I'm using your sponsor and and our friends Ah. over at Ecamm. I am using Ecamm now as my full rig because I can get separate audio tracks it's quick it's easy it's already set up all the time and I will I've now moved to using the roadcaster as a backup option but again it's it's what it's, what's great about it is I can get from ecam the raw audio on their side and mine right. instead of just what gets fed into roadcaster through the mix minus scenario right.
0: And one of the things I'll just—we're not going to talk about this—but I want to mention it is that a lot of discovery now is happening over on YouTube, video podcasts. We went to podcast uh, podcast movement uh, last month, and the biggest thing people were talking about was video podcasting and. Ecamm does a great job with that because not only do you get the audio track separated, but you also get these video, the video that you can use and upload to YouTube. In fact, when I'm done with this, I hit end and it gives me an option to upload it right to YouTube as soon as I'm over. So big shout out to our sponsor, Ecamm, socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. Once again, they have uh, their Leap Into Podcasting replays that are available. You can get those by downloading and buying the guide over at merch.ecam.com. Ecamm is spelled E-C-A-M-M dot com if you guys are uh, listening on the podcast merch.ecam.com and uh, if you get those guides you get access to not only the video podcasting uh kind of leap virtual conference but to uh i think two or three years of their leap into live streaming which is really really good a lot of great speakers eric and i and grace both spoke there a lot of our friends who are in this space uh did training over there as well so it is definitely worth uh checking out so make sure you guys go do that um So let's go into, okay, we've done, we've recorded the show. We've got our tools. We've done all that. We've, we've scheduled everything. We're really productive. What do we do after we're done? Do you have any, like, um, I've been on podcastings where they send me this thing, like you were required to share this show and like, you know, I didn't know there was a contract involved kind of a thing. So, I, I mean, I've actually had to sign releases before. Like people wanted me to sign like a release that it's okay if they reuse my voice for stuff. So. Do you go that hardcore what do you do for after when when a show is done um do you send your guests stuff and ask them to share what is what are your thoughts
1: i send them I, i treat it like a relationship instead of a business transaction right and i say thank you that was great uh some people at that point in time when they've got somebody still on the line is when they will ask hey i hope you had a great time uh, do you know anybody else you think would be a good fit for the show? Now, mm. my thing is, I don't do that because I don't think they've gotten a full enough uh, eye on what a, being a fit for the show means at that point from their limited view. They would have to have listened to multiple episodes to really get that. So I don't do that. For some, it may make sense, and I don't fault them for that at all, but I, right then and there, say, thank you. This was great. I will let you, I kind of give them an estimate about when it's going to come out, because again, batch processing, batch recording, but i say i've got your email or i've got the email of whoever connected us and i sometimes they'll give me theirs right then and there and i'll gladly accept it because if it was if it turned out great great i've got a direct line to them to do another episode and so that's good i've got a, i've got emails for a lot of great people <laughs> that i'm gonna right. have back um but key is is i make sure that it's it's friendly and that we ended on a great note i thank them i say This is when it's gonna come out as as an estimate. And I say, I will let you know and confirm that as kind of an extra touch point. So that's one, two, three, you know, it's, it's, we got connected, we recorded, it went great. Thank you. I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. Then I email them and let them know when it will be. Then I email them, let them know it's live or when it will be live and I give them the link. I And I say, if you want to take a listen or if you want to share, it turned out great. Thank you so much. And that's when I also will in that email say, uh, I would be glad to have you back. Let me know when you have your next thing that you're working on done and we can touch on that. Or uh, sometimes even in that post call chat, mm-hmm. I'll say, oh, my gosh, I got to have you back because we didn't get to finish. And there's these three other things. Right. So we'll book that. So that's, Mm. I just, I play it like a relationship
0: and just make sure that it, because it is, (laughs) let's be honest, it is, or it should be. So productivity wise, do you have that as a template that you've already got an email set up? I know you do um, text expander. Do you have like that email set up that you just drop in their names or do you try to craft a new one for each each guest? Well, it's
1: hitting the basic. I, I basically have text expander set up As the um, to hit the basic notes of what that interaction is going to be. And then if there's a new, uh, you know, a nuance to it, I add add that flourish in and just I hit send. I don't think about it too hard because when you think about it too hard or you overthink it is when you stall out and then you don't send it or don't send it in time.
0: So you mentioned, you know, that I thought that was really key. And I hope people picked up on that. Like if you didn't get the things done, you didn't get through all your questions or it was really great and you wanted to have them back. It's immediately booking that for another show. And we do that, too. Like we did it with Janet Murray. If you guys remember a couple weeks back, she had a uh, she was doing a launch and she was going to give the results of the launch in, in a couple weeks. So we booked that right then when she said that, like, it's OK, we want to get that because I'll be interesting data to talk about. I think that's really key. So you've had multiple guests on, so I want to know what, what makes a good repeat guest, what, you know, what, how do you make that list and two, what makes it? So you'll never be asked back on Eric Fisher's beyond the to-do list podcast.
1: That's a great question. Let's see. So to be a repeat guest, it's going to have to go well first off. And two, you're going to have to keep creating stuff or have a great perspective on, things basically that, that, Mm -hmm. and it's going to have to fit the show. Um, I, and, and one of the things that I do is occasionally, again, once a, well, not once a quarter, once a year, I kind of look back at the past year and I say, or even at the six month mark, who has been great in the last chunk of time Mm -hmm. that I need to have back. They haven't had a new book come out because that's, that because truthfully, it's usually repeat business. It's usually somebody like a Todd Henry who has, there's just, there's gonna be a year and a half cycle, year and a half to two years where he's gonna come out with a new book. And either I'm gonna be aware of the book because I'm following him on multiple channels and I will ask him myself, or they will, his PR team or whatever will ask me. Sometimes both happens at the same time. (laughs) I'm like, I just sent him an email asking him if he'd be on the show. Oh great, then our job is done as PR team. We win, but I So I will look back through and I will keep that list. And I have a running list of, you know, Todd's on the list, David Allen's on the list. There's a number of people where it's like, if at any point in time they ask, it's a no-brainer that it's a yes. Mm-hmm. Or it's, hey, let's check in with them. Right. You know, let's check in with that person. Laura Vanderkam's another one. She's about to come back on the show. She's been on the show, gosh, six times maybe, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so anyway, that's it. Uh, as far as never getting asked back, man... You're lucky if the show goes out. <laughs> number one, oh, right. <laughs> that bad, yeah. There's been there's been a very 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 small handful of those. Very small. Uh, sometimes it goes out and then it's out there for a while and then I'm like, okay, yeah, one, that's not a good episode, and or two, and again, you've got to be careful with that because you know some people it's right. like, hey, my episode's not on your feed anymore. <laughs> well, if you're really that nitpicky that you're looking at my feed to see right. if it's still there. You have other issues to think about here, not just my show, (laughs) but uh, that said, yeah, one, it's going to have to have gone well enough to at least been put out there. But number two, uh, it's again, remember the rule I said earlier about you want the guest to talk about 75, 80 percent of the, the episode and not just the host talking. Well, if it's like 99% of the episode, that's a little bit hard to deal with as a host because if you can't get a question in right. or you can't interject your thought or pivot point or whatever and they lead the conversation instead of you, that's probably not a good thing. It's probably, you know, their agenda only versus a mutual beneficial mm. Uh, exchange and or conversation. I'm trying to think of what else would get you uh,
0: to never come back. I don't know. I know sometimes it's like, um, sometimes there, they would be, you know, great Titans of the industry and you get them on. And then sometimes they go off the rails and they become almost untouchable. And that's when you would remove them from your show or, you know, you're, they have gone in a way that doesn't align with what your show or beliefs are about and that's yeah. another way. So I mean, I've, I, I've yeah. known you long enough. Only a couple of yeah. that I've noticed. That there's,
1: there's another. There's another reason. Now
0: that you're saying that,
1: there's another reason. Is if it goes out there and it's out there, and then and, and even if it goes well, and then they they ask to come back, but what they're asking to come back and talk about is basically a retread. Mm-hmm. And it's there's there's no new information there. Like I've got to think long and hard. Well, that last one went okay. I suppose I could do a part two. But there's no way a part 3 could happen and even the part 2 is going to be like a shorter episode it's got to be worth it like there's got to be some it can't just be a retread because if it's literally just me putting out the same exact episode i already got
0: that one recorded it's got to be worth right. my time right that's a great point that's a great point um the the other so i want to talk about so you know, you've kind of got it streamlined. You've got it product. You've got it kind of in your productivity mindset and you've got the, the tools done. You've got it scheduled. You know that you're, I just, it amazes me how far out you're booked. It just makes me so jealous. But um, you recently hired an editor to even help with this. Cause I knew you for like what, nine years, you've been editing your own yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, so talk about that, why you did it and like how that goes into your podcasting productivity and workflow. Because I think that made you more productive right off the bat. It did.
1: Oh, it did. It, and it was a long time coming, coming. I waited way too long, should have done it way sooner. But there was a couple of different variables. So number one, uh, I, knew, I really accepted that, one, I needed somebody else to do it to free up my time. And in order to do that, I needed to be able to trust that person to do it well. And so, uh, this friend of mine who I, I mean, again, that's, that's a, a lot of the trust came along from, him, the person that's editing it, it's a friend from college mm-hmm. and he, and we've known each other over 20, like probably like near 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And so he's been editing it now for a little over a year. And it it, I'm just thank. I'm so, 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 so thankful uh, that he's doing it. And even then it was like, well, I've got to show him what I kind of look for or what what my nuance is. Right. You know what? What's my way of doing it? He's never going to. No one is ever going to 100 percent mimic your way. You have to get over that. But if you can get somebody to like that 80, 90 percent, like John Acuff talks about where if Mm -hmm. you can get that 80, 90 percent and released out to the world. Good. We're good. Um So we worked through that and he had had enough training editing another show that I helped kickstart and he now edits. And it's another friend of ours. He had been doing that for a good year, year and a half or so where I was kind of help editing there and he would edit and we'd go back and forth. And then he took it all over and maintained all the revenue. Once he'd had that training for a while and I knew he could handle it and we worked through my specific nuances for my show, uh, the trust was there. So I gave it over to him over a year ago. And the other key piece was I needed to be able to uh, compensate him fairly for his time for doing it. And so we got to that point as well. And it just worked out. It made sense. It it just made sense for me to let it go. And from that point forward, my stress level on my show dropped dramatically.
0: Mm. Well. (laughs) <laughs> not having your show stretch you out is a is a way that yes. you can increase your your productivity and longevity uh, doing a podcast. Uh, one of the things and I know a lot of people want to monetize their podcast. um some you know that's that's a whole nother show that we could talk about, but I know that you do that. you have ads that run during your show and I want to ask you know and talk about the productivity behind that. like how does these advertising spots contribute to your workflow? I mean, do you batch? do your ad reads. I mean, I think most of yours are host reads um, in, yeah. in that way they I'm um, even, I mean, they, you have dynamic ads. I know that go into yours as well, but talk about that. Like, do you sit down and like, okay, do you know for, for one thing, do you get like a, okay, you're going to do this this month. I've got to you know, batch all these ad reads out. How does that play into your workflow? So, again, this is a variable thing. It's going to ta- It's gonna have to require some
1: flexibility because I work with an agency. I'll just shout them out here, True Native Media, and they've done well by me, and each year has been more profitable than the last. Mm-hmm. Check them out. If you don't have any kind of person helping you with that, they are great. That said, they book something, and it depends on the length of the campaign, whether it's going to be every episode or if it's going to be one a month for a whole year or twice a month for the whole year or twice a month for... Uh, or once a month for a quarter, it, de- it just depends. And it depends on when they have new ad copy, I need to rotate in and do a new read. Um, it, it's, it's basically, uh, but, but again, by taking the uh, editing off of my plate, that made me so much more flexible to not feel pressure as to I get an email, hey, we've got a new ad copy for this campaign. Mm-hmm. Can you switch it out before two weeks from now when that next one runs? Sure thing, no problem. Because, again, I just need to run through it a little bit, kind of put it in my, you know, my voice, get it ironed out. And, you know, it's five, ten minutes of work right. and it's well worth it.
0: Mm. Well, I just because a lot of us don't run ads like we don't do them on our right. show other than our, their, our sponsor. Um, and I was like, OK, man, that could I could see that add up. Like if you start doing ads and you have to do it, some you know, different times and I'm like, well, that could really add up. So. Yeah. And again, it's
1: about batch processing as needed or Mm -hmm. being flexible and having certain windows. I mean, it's like, Oh, I know that that's going to happen. Like for example, in the scenario I just gave, Oh, a new email comes through. We've got new ad copy. Okay. Well, I need to know when I can fit that into my schedule. When one, when's, when's the absolute deadline for it Mm -hmm. now work backwards and say, when can I fit it in the soonest without being high pressure situation of have to, Oh my gosh, I've got to turn this around right now. No, you don't. You've got three weeks till it has to go. So Mm. you just kind of, you've, you know, find that window and then pick uh, a first option and then a backup (laughs) just in case.
0: Right. So uh, like what what type of promotion do you do for your show? Because, you know, you've been around for 10 years, so you've got some of the, you know, the old school podcasting juice like, oh, Eric Fisher. Yeah, he was back when, you know, it was on my Zoom device. Um, But, you know, the Dell Zoom, remember those? Yeah. Um, But What's microsoft come on man yeah. <laughs> oh it was it was
1: it was microsoft. star lord uses it that's you right it lock it in your head um, anyway
0: i don't know why dell uh anyway <laughs> um i had so many dell PCs. Yours was, was like
1: the diamond rio yes or the it was something yeah, other. anyway yeah. anyway go
0: back in the day when it took a lot like you had to you know do a lot of things to load it on your computer from your computer on your your device the thing is What do you do promote your show, especially now, because it's harder than ever before. I mean, podcasting has taken off every year is the year of podcasting and it's harder to get discovered. So how do you promote your show and what advice would you give somebody who's just starting out?
1: I always say this and I still say this even to myself. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. uh, I don't do enough promotion. Nobody does. Actually, that's not true. Some do more <laughs> than they should, that's but that's okay. Um, I, I kind of try to take lessons from them. Uh, you do a great job, by the way. Uh, that's a lesson that everybody could take a look at uh, from Jeff and Social Media uh, News Live is look at the clips, look at the things that they chop up, look at the, you know, the different snippets and things like that. And you, you know, but again, I think the thing, the strongest thing you can do is if you have guests, pick the right guests mm. and And hopefully, you know, their name recognition of you saying, I had, you know, I had a great conversation with so-and-so on such-and-such carries enough weight to at least get somebody interested if they've never checked it out. Number two, kind of working it into maybe, you know, if maybe you have a weekly newsletter and people follow you for other stuff, let them know what that episode, the most recent one, is about. Slip that in there. Say, hey, if you're interested, we go. We dive deeper into this topic of this newsletter on this episode with so-and-so. It doesn't have to be the latest one. Could be one that's been out for a little while. There's a lot of different options and ways. And, you know, a lot of people are like, TikTok. TikTok's the thing for podcast. I'm like, I'm not. I TikTok's a thing I'd have to really wrap my head around and think about. Um, right. One of the best things, though. I mean, again, one of the best things is people. I do this. <laughs> I do this. If I'm a guest on a show and... I thought it went well. Even if it went okay-ish, mm-hmm. I still will share it because I feel like I'm confident enough that at least I did my part. I don't know right. about the host, but I'm not trying to tear anybody down, but still. Right. Uh, I typically, if somebody says, hey, your show's out, I'll go to the page where the show is. I'll click share and I'll say, I had a great time talking with so-and-so on this and it was great. Thanks for having me. And I'll share it out where it's appropriate, LinkedIn, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, etc. And I- don't force anybody to do that with my show, but I make sure they have the uh, availability of doing that. And I don't craft—I don't craft like um, you know, unique graphics and all that kind of good stuff. And say because if I, I me personally, you don't have to listen to me, but me personally, <laughs> I don't feel like because again, Jeff does this and it's good, but I don't think you give the person the 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 you know the thumbnail mm-hmm. for the video. Some people do, they're like, we've created graphics for you to share right. your show. Right. You know, that's so much, that's like giving somebody a gift and then asking them to wear it right then as they unwrap i don't do that i don't do that yeah Yeah, we
0: we We don't don't do do that yet no no, we're no Uh, we're not doing that uh (laughs) what we do is we do the clips we take things and clip it up and then i ask i I offer and i don't just give it to him i say if you want the entire transcript or the video file just let me know and i can send it to you that's and i do that after the camera goes off and we're still talking in kind of the green room uh, but the clips thing does really well, so because I app mentioned them and it goes into a queue and it constantly is rotated yeah. with uh, Agora Pulse, so then people like that. I have nobody has ever said, "Oh, don't do that." They like seeing <laughs> themselves in the feed and they like it when it yep. gets shared and uh, it makes them look smart and it makes you give them the thing. So, um, on that note, with the pr- with um, you know promotion and all this stuff, and you said you really would wish you would do some more. Um, kind of the final couple questions is. If you go back in time and talk to yourself when you first started podcasting, what is some advice that you'd give yourself? Like, what would you say? Hey, I learned this. If you did this now, it would really, you would just, you would kill it.
1: Yeah. Well, again, as soon as I could have afforded anybody to edit the show other than me, that would have been the first thing, Mm. number one. Number two would have been get into that batch process mindset and don't feel like you've got to record something every single week in order to put something out every single week. And in fact, I would even say revisit the idea of coming up with something to put out every single week. Now, it's helped me. There's, you know, this huge back catalog. But at the same time, if I had curated and been a little more intentional from the get go and said, I'm going to do ten episodes a quarter and have two weeks where there's nothing or even two seasons a year and either drop them all at once or, you know, and and maybe play with it thematically. Uh, Hey, this season, this is what we're doing. That's where some of those questions, like, hey, here's the question you're asking everybody. It makes sense in a season and Mm -hmm. then it's a new question next season. See, the way you think about that, the way you you process that, uh, it can really make a huge difference. And, you know, we don't forget, like, Jeff, you and I have our favorite shows and we love when they're coming back. Picard, February, 2023. And we know when it's coming. We're anxiously awaiting it and creating some of that FOMO for your show is not a bad thing. The back episodes are there. You can re-promote them. You can package them up differently. You can chop them up. Like, just think outside the box. That's what I would have told myself then. And let's see, I think there's a third one, but I'm trying to think of, of what that would be um, just treat it with a higher quality, but also with a little less of a a preciousness, you know, not be so particular, learn, learn quicker and faster than I did. And I don't know that that's something anybody's going to ever hear. You know, if I could go back in time and tell myself, they'd be like, whatever, old man, but still, (laughs) I hope somebody
0: else can hear it from me now. Right. So I think that there's that quote and I put it on my slides when I, and it's from john Cuff, and you use it too it's like what uh 80 uh shared with uh, shared with 80 percent perfect and shared with the world always changes more lives than 100 percent perfect and stuck in your head i that's love that's exactly right yeah and i and i just think that is the thing that we all should hear uh especially even when we're trying new things or if you're starting a podcast so yeah that's great advice the last question eric is there anything that i didn't ask you that i should have that would be perfect for this podcast productivity episode that my audience would uh needs to know like something like oh jeff you should have asked this question that i didn't I, I think you do
1: a great job um i would say maybe how do you get started like if you if you don't feel like you've got a topic um mm, yeah or you that's don't a great feel one. like you have the confidence to talk to other people or the confidence to do a solo show i would say practice in public but with limited release like record it to live to a Facebook group like you and I used to test stuff out in and have a, a trusted group of advisors, friends, whatever mastermind group, who knows, and go live there or record something, upload it there, beta test it, get feedback, uh, iterate that way, but don't wait, um, work on it and let your brain work on it, you know, in a, um, slow cooker kind of way back um, burner kind of way, because that's where the real good stuff's going to come from. I wanted to do my show. I, I, you know, I worked on my show for six months before I even ever started, but at least I didn't wait longer than that.
0: Mm. That is a great point. That is a great point. Um, I wish there's so many things that I wish I would have done <laughs> different. But uh, <laughs> once again, the last question that we all at, all podcasters, all live show people usually do when they have an interview show where can people find about all things Eric J. Fisher?
1: Yeah. So start with beyond the to do list.com. That's where you can find the show. And there's so many there. And if you want to ask, hey, I need a podcast episode. Do you have an episode on this topic? Hit me up on Twitter at twitter.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. Or find you know type in E-R-I-K-F-I-S-H-E-R on LinkedIn or uh, Eric J. Fisher at Instagram, any of those. You can hit me up, ask me questions. I will point you to an episode that I'm sure is going to help you. Uh, there's there's so many out there and so many more coming. Mm.
0: Yes, there are really great ones. Some of my favorites are the ones with Michael Hyatt, but uh, I still really really enjoy Todd Henry, uh, Eric, and uh, it's one who introduced me to him, and I've seen him speak now, and I've uh, I've read all of his most all. Of, I don't think I've got his most recent book, but incredible, and I love good listening one. to him. Yeah, he's recent
1: a, episode, and we're working on
0: a partnership on some yeah, stuff coming up. So he's a he's got some good stuff. If you if you don't. You know, go through it and look and say, Oh, I need help with that and listen to that episode because it really does. It really does give some good advice and has some great guests. I mean, we've done one on sleep um, and all sorts of stuff, like how to be productive, not just like do work, but like how to be productive in your life. That's why it's called Beyond the To Do List. Eric, thank you so much for your friendship and for coming on the show today. Thank all of you for watching. Appreciate you guys. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody
1: media news live.